Welcome to Defenders TV Podcast, episode 94, where we're looking at Iron Fist, season one, episode five. Underleaf plucks Lotus. Welcome back, Defenders. This is Defenders TV Podcast, and this is episode 94. We are six away from the big 100. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, we are looking at episode five of season one of Iron Fist, and that is Underleaf Plucks Lotus. I'm one of your hosts, Chris. I'm one of your other hosts, John. And I'm your last host, Derek. Welcome back. Uh, yeah, guys, we're here. Episode five. Episode five. What can I say? Well, look, I'm dying to get into this discussion, so I'm going to blaze through our usual bits. But uh, for anyone new to the podcast, what are you doing? We've got four other episodes you can listen to. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, the way we do it is we take our top combined top five points. We'll discuss them through, add in a few notes, and then decide whether we defend this episode or not but more importantly if you want to know when the next one is coming we put new episodes out every friday and tuesday each week and episode six will be out on the 31st of march so which is a great thing obviously we're coming towards the end of march and this is only going to get better because we are getting ever so closer to spidey <laughs> to uh, Thor to Guardians of the Galaxy and this all leads to the Defenders coming up in the summer which is going to be fantastic who can't wait for that but anyway if you have feedback and you want to tell us your thoughts on this episode or any of the previous episodes don't forget you can go pop over to DefendersTVPodcast.com and leave a short voicemail it's about 90 seconds and you can record your thoughts and have your dulcet tones all over our um, podcast airways and um, Usually I'll tell you where we can follow us, but you have to hold on to the end of the episodes because we have a special thing that we've announced already, but we're going to bring it back again. So without further ado, guys, do we want to get into the episode details? I think so. I think it's time. Absolutely. All right, Derek, do you want to take us away? Yes, this episode was written by Christine Chambers. Uh, First time story credit uh, for Christine. She did work uh, quite heavily on Boardwalk Empire. She seems to work in a couple of writers' rooms before as a producer or as as an assistant within the writers' rooms. But this is her first story credit. She worked on Boardwalk Empire, which means she may have worked with Charlie Cox, Daredevil himself, at some point. May have written an episode for him in the past. Yeah. yeah. So I love yeah. these connections that we find with the, uh, with the people behind the screen. It's quite cool. And this episode was directed by Uta Breiswitz. Uh, we know her from her work on Jessica Jones, so another returning director at this time. Uh, she did AKA I've Got the Blues. And she will direct an episode of the upcoming Defenders TV show. So once again, keeping some more directors in the uh, in the Defenders camp as they go through all these wonderful shows. Absolutely, that's excellent. Yeah, I think what they're trying to do here is obviously they're they're going through picking the best of the best, and those who actually rise to the top of the best of the best get to def- direct or write for the Defenders. That's probably they're picking literally the cream of the. It's like almost like a writers and directors. Um, 
uh, how do you how would you put it? Fight to the death. <laughs> fight club. <laughs> it's like, yeah, fight club. Literally, you can just see them like doing it with pens and paper, and then what would the directors use? Like the 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 snap boards, and, <laughs> clapper boards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. clapper boards. <laughs> Fighting to death with clapper boards. Nice. I like it. I like it. Uh, yeah, I really like this idea that they're um, that they're keeping on board some of the uh, some of the directors and writers from uh, from previous shows and giving new starts to to. Uh, to other people yeah and I think just allowing them to meet the other characters and write for them or direct them that kind of cross-pollination it will hopefully pay dividends for for the defenders um, you know they have a sense of each of the characters and how they how they work so yeah. that'd be really good yeah okay, cool so John do you want to tell us what Christine Chambers gave us with her first written episode sure a new synthesized opiate drug has been touted on the streets of New York, associated with the symbol of Shao Lao the Undying, left at Danny's apartment door by the Yang clan from the Golden Sands. It is linked by Danny to the pier recently acquired by Rand Enterprise as the entry point for the drug into the city. In all the distraction, Danny unknowingly compromises himself and Rand Enterprises as he's caught on camera with a lady who has filed a lawsuit for health and environmental damages and accepts responsibility for the situation. As he goes to Colin Wing with takeout to ask if she will assist him to check out the pier as another shipment is imminent, he arrives at the dojo and meets a new trainee called Claire Temple, who joins them for lunch. With the help of the Steel Serpent's drug, Ward gives the finger to his father father's control of the company and tries to forget the mess left by Danny's actions. At the docks that night, Danny and Colleen uncover Radovan Bernavig, the chemist, and the source of the new drug, rescuing him from the grasp of the hand. Madame Gao shows up and deals with this setback for the hand with ruthless and pointed efficiency. Loads of big moments in this episode. And how pointed! I know a lot going on, a lot going on in this. Um, I'm, I, I have a few little misgivings on mm-hmm. this episode. I think I, I, I felt it was tempered. Certainly, it, it didn't feel as though it built, but I, I, I did enjoy it. And again, oh my god! I think I, if I can just really go to the first point, Madame Gao. If this doesn't sound wrong, you know, she is like great. Forty years younger, you maybe would. <laughs> um, I have to say, I just think the presence of her is great, and I, I wish she'd been introduced a bit sooner into this episode. You know, just just it takes a long time getting to the action and the fight scene in the back of the container. Colleen and Danny going to to the docks. Um, and, and just seeing Madame Gao just being so cool, ultimately mm-hmm. so cool. I, I wish she had, had been in this a bit sooner, but I suspect that maybe now her face has been revealed. Finally, she has moved from the shadows. Um, that, uh, yeah, I think she's going to be a bigger player for the episodes to come. And that I am absolutely looking forward to because I think she just brings something to this uh, show like she did with her brief screen time in Daredevil. Uh, and certainly that moment where she's with Fisk as well, where 
despite mm-hmm. her diminutive figure, you know, she put herself on par with Visca and his kind of physical presence and power. Um, and I mean, I have to say just that ending where she just commands him to kneel and he does and then it doesn't move at all i know and then just the 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 sword through the back of the neck and out the mouth and like going oh my god you are just scary so scary but so good for for this um really good i mean even just i think with the hand as well it, it's great because it it does show that difference the hand will use violence and intimidation at every moment in time and, and then you know even though danny is a warrior monk although he you know he won't shirk away from fighting um you know i don't think the first instinct is always necessarily to kill it, it's just to fight and, and to beat Mm-hmm. The, the opposition absolutely uh, yeah. not necessary to kill uh, yeah. i love that contrast here yeah definitely and that's apparently what it takes for for you to be interested in marrying someone is if they can if they are brutal and shove swords in, through people's throats interesting John. <laughs> well no okay let me let me just kind of uh yeah i must i must clarify this i just think she is she she is that counterpoint at the moment okay yeah. i mean um, we did have Davos being name dropped here, so it'll be interesting to see whether she is subservient to him or, mm-hmm. or what the story is there. But like for me, at this moment in time within the series, like she is the big bad. She she's the one controlling Harold. She's the one organizing everything, and she's the most badass. Quite frankly. Mm-hmm. She would just kill you. I mean, she's badass. Ward. That's what. That's all I mean. She's great. Yeah, certainly more than Ward and uh, and Harold Meacham. Obviously, she's definitely the most badass of the bad people that we've seen so far. For me, Madame Gao, the more and more I see this this character, the more I'm intrigued. The more I want to know more. Um, the the actress is Wei Ching Ho. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm not butchering the pronunciation there. And she, she, we know her from Daredevil, but she was in Sorcerer's Apprentice and a few other shows and kind of movies, but nothing major. Right. Um, but I think the presence she brings, it's that stare. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. that deadpan. It's almost like if you broke a, a toy and you brought it to her and she was your mother, she, you wouldn't, you couldn't like. She just stare at you, and just kind of like you'd be like, "Okay, I'm sorry, I did it." Oh. Yeah. She just has that evil motherly look. If that's such a thing, <laughs> I'm not calling mothers evil. I'm just saying, okay, where am I trying to go with this? It's just that 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 very much stern, deadpan, take no shit stare. Mm-hmm. You don't want to disappoint Madame Gao. That's that's the yes. fundamental fact here. But I did find it fascinating that and i did mention it a little bit earlier on but i did find it fascinating that she commands the guy to kneel stands behind him takes her sword out slowly you can hear the sound yeah, of the absolutely. sword so this guy would have heard and would have known his death is coming but he makes no motion to to move to plead with her to uh, apologize for what's happened and letting danny away she just slaughters him right in front of her and he he makes makes no move because he realizes this is what's going to happen to him you know, but that all, how much respect people have for Madame Gale is that what it is that she commands them and they just do it? But they are uh, unswerving servants of, of the hand. Um, you know, they, I presume, are programmed, trained mm-hmm. to lay down their life and take orders with absolute obedience. So I, I wonder whether it, it, it's that. I, I think as well, it is that. 
it is that thing that you actually just do not know what she will do. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. when she met up with Harold, you kind of, the, okay, other than the fact that he's um, a bigger character in the show and you expect him to survive, but still, nonetheless, there's that moment where what's she going to do to him? Like, yeah. you did wonder. And then it's, here's your reward, mm-hmm. um, rather than a clip around the ear holes and, and, you know, a, a smack around the back of the legs. <laughs> um, whereas here, it's kind of, uh, you, you know, it's that unpredictability of what course of action she's going to take that I find just fascinating with her. Um, you know, like, she will engage in dialogue like she did with Daredevil, for mm-hmm. example, in, yeah. in one of them, yet she'll be ruthless against um, people who are working for her. She will accept some of the, the, the waivers uh, that happen with uh, Wilson Fisk in, in Daredevil, and the same maybe even is true of Harold Meacham here with regards to uh, you know leaving the apartment. She is happy to absorb that, yeah. but then she can be ruthless in other ways. And I, I think it's just that that unpredictability and i think yeah. just encapsulating that in outwardly a frail old woman is absolute genius mm-hmm. uh, for me uh, and really just adds to the sense of unpredictability so uh, this uh, is really good and, and now we you know we're seeing that connection to this new drug that we had the start where we had the uh, jackie brown type-esque walk of the three ladies at the start <laughs> uh, to the music to deliver this this new drug to which this poor guy has been killed for because he's failed to protect the source of this new drug, mm. uh, the chemist Radovan Bernovic. But there's definitely, like, he, he didn't even have an opportunity to give any kind of excuse to her. He says to her, this guy is a powered individual who beats him in hand-to-hand combat because he's able to use this power in his hands. No or sympathy. his fist. Or his fist, exactly. Eventually she says. corrects him, yeah. Are you sure it was his feet? Uh, are you sure it wasn't his fists kind of thing? Um, but no chance of getting away with this, even though it's a superpowered individual. She's like, eh, it doesn't really matter. Thanks for the information. Knife through throat. Uh, <laughs> bye now. Yeah. Do you think the thing I took from this was, so we remember that some of the ninjas are dead mm-hmm. already. They have no heartbeat. Yes. So maybe it's like, okay, your demotion is death and you become a ninja. Maybe. He was maybe a lieutenant or a sergeant because he was alive and he was charged with this. And Mm. now he's like, well, you screwed up. Okay, you're going to be killed and we'll potentially bring you back as a faceless ninja with no heartbeat. (laughs) Perhaps. Well, I think think they were slowing their heartbeat, weren't they, so that he couldn't hear it? I thought it was something like that. I didn't think they were all dead. No, no, they were were doing something to slow their heartbeat. Oh, I don't know about the slow, but they had no heartbeat because... Masking the sound of the heartbeat or something, wasn't it? No, they had none, and he could only hear their pitter-patter. Yeah. And Daredevil, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah Daredevil, he. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about <laughs> here now, people. Maybe, but that, that sword definitely went through the brainstem. That's why she did it at that point, so I'm not sure. Oh, so sure. maybe, yeah, okay, maybe it's just, yeah. But an interesting theory, yeah, Chris. Yeah, he I was basically, I mean, he was basically kebabbed, mm-hmm. effectively. <laughs> Mmm, kebab. Oh, God. I'm sorry, I really want a kebab now. <laughs> Jumping on to the chemist piece, as John was saying. So I have a bit of a nitpick on this. Okay. Okay. So we come out of an episode where Danny beats the living hell out of seven, eight guys mm-hmm. in the hallway. And he has some serious issues with one guy in a moving truck. Yeah. And I'm like, 
I, 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 I get you wanted to get a nice fight scene in, but you're literally getting, Danny is getting beaten, nearly beaten on a number of occasions mm-hmm. by this member of the hand. So he didn't look that spectacular. Right. Like if they had made him do a first thing he does, if he was a proper hand hand guy, a hand hand guy, he would have like gone into a fighting stance like a ninja. Mm-hmm. Except he pulls out a gun. Yeah. And then he pulls out the knives. Okay, I get that, but they he didn't even pull them out. He grabbed them off the kitchen tape counter. Mm-hmm. I was like, this fight just slightly irked me. In a, it was a good fight. Yeah. I liked the 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 choreography. The breaking of the countertops and using them as different weapons—that was cool. Uh, it just Danny nearly getting his his ass handed to him, on, at like at least two to three times nearly in that fight. Right. You're like, really? This is the immortal weapon of the Kung Lung. It's a really interesting one, isn't it? I know we talked about it on a previous episode about um, one of the things about Danny's power is that he does have to have a moment to gather his chi together and to center himself before a fight. So it seems like surprise is the biggest uh, opportunity to take down Danny. If he doesn't have that moment to settle himself and he's just being thrown around like is happening in this fight, um, it seems like he doesn't have all of the abilities that would be available to him as the Iron Fist. It feels like he's a reasonably good fighter. It can be bested. But if he doesn't have the opportunity to set himself up for that fight, um, he's not as good. That sort of feels like they're trying to say. But it's not that clear. You're right, Chris. It's not that clear in this in this scene. But it feels like this guy is just brutally throwing him left, right and center. And he's, yeah. not, and he's not getting the opportunity to catch his breath to fight back against him. Yeah, I, I think that is uh, one of the things. Yeah, it is still unclear just to what extent he controls his power and how it operates. Mm. Um, in the sense that, like, I, I was thinking the same as yourself that, oh, you know, he managed to knock out loads of, of these guys with the hatchets in, in the corridor and now he's struggling with one. However, you know, they were triads and this guy was the hand, I, I assume. Right. But then, right. so that he's a better warrior, you know, he, he's almost the okay, equivalent yeah. of a warrior monk, but for the hand, right. you know. So that's why it was more difficult to take the guy out. So that's how I was thinking about it. But, I mean, just coming back to how he uses his power, you know, that that idea, uh, one of the things that I loved about when he was being beaten in the psychiatric hospital was that as that was happening, you could see the power, you could see the smirk and the smile on his face as he realised... Yeah. Uh, that his power is coming from this challenge. Uh, and, and he said it himself that, you know, it's only in the heat of battle. Well, he's battling there. So he should be able to call on the power of the Iron Fist at that moment in time, I, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, that it can, He can do it through centering his, his, his chi um, in a quiet moment, but he can also, in the heat of battle, call upon it because that's when he sees clarity and can yeah. channel it. Yet he doesn't, at this moment, that doesn't seem to have happened in this fight, for example, yeah. whereas he turned it on very quickly with the hatchet smashing against it. So We saw we saw that moment where they took the pause, uh, but again, I, th- I do think we're giving the show a lot to try and explain something yeah, that they didn't explain. But you are right, Chris, it's not... It's not it doesn't you don't really understand why this character is able to 
almost best Danny a couple of times in this fight. There's no explanation given. He's not, he didn't, I don't know, take a drug that took away his powers here. Or um, me saying that he's surprised is a guess at why uh, at why this guy could fight against him. John saying this guy's a hand fighter is that they're all guesses because it's not really explained well in the scene as to why they're having a one-on-one equals battle, you know? Yeah, at this point. But anyway, so look, that that was one of my irks. Um, mm-hmm. But then, so the next point of that is that kind of John brought up at the beginning of this, which is the drug. So this was cool. So we're starting to find, okay, so this is, the chemist has created pure heroin that can be ingested, can be put on a uh, patch mm. that can be, sm- like, it was just everything. And it's pure, and it's like back to the very first um, hit for any user. Um, and we find out then, like that is what the hand is doing. That yeah. is what the the Steel Serpent logo was about. That is what the drug that it is carrying. It is not, as we thought, just ah, it's coke or heroin. It is a special new form, and they're flying this guy in for production in 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 New York. Yeah, and it's funny actually because um, one of the ladies, I think, when when Danny is outside speaking with the lady involved in the lawsuit against them, as he's coming out of Rand Enterprises just before that encounter, one of the ladies who's seen at the start with the the trolley bag uh, selling uh, this this uh, new synthetic form of opium. She's walking into Rand Enterprises, and I, I just wonder if that sort of neatly takes us into uh, Ward's increasing use of of pills, potions, and, and drugs. Like, mm. you know, was she going to visit him as a, a high level customer uh, of, of all of this? Because here we really do see Ward um, start to kind of just break down a little for a number of reasons. Uh, a because Danny has effectively compromised the the company again, uh, and secondly, because he is now aware that he's being watched by his father. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe he knew that already. Yeah. Um, I do must say, I loved that moment where he's given the finger, um, you know, to to the uh, camera on his computer, I reckon, mm-hmm. and then all around the room. Uh, but you know, we see well, that's him... because he gets the text message in saying, "Yeah." do what she says from his father. So his father's watching him the whole time, yeah. unable to hear the whole conversation in the room. It feels interesting that he's never been aware of that, that Ward has never been aware that that's how his father has such great control on the businesses because he's watching Ward the whole time, you know? Um, it's interesting to see Ward start to break down, but it is something, it's something that we didn't mention a couple of episodes ago, the conversation between Ward and Joy where he says, I want to leave, I want to get out of this, there's no way out. Um and then she says she's not going to go with them. We didn't mention that on the on the previous episode discussion. So Ward is trapped in this situation as the head of the business because he's the only person that his father can have contact with and his father keeps wanting uh, to be in control of every decision made within the business. So, um, so he does completely feel trapped and now he's battling back and I must say I'm really enjoying it. Uh, it's quite interesting seeing this character who, as Joy says, all of his decisions have been unimpeachable in the past. We must trust in his decisions and all of those decisions in the past had come from Harold. This is the first decision he's making himself. And it's a very poor decision, it seems, for the business. But is that what Ward is doing? Is he trying to run the business into the ground, kind of, because he wants to get out of it and this this feels like the only way out? 
um, by becoming a drug addict. That's also bad for the reputation of the business. He won't be able to manage the business if he's sitting in his office taking heroin all the time. Is he trying to do this as the two fingers up to his father, the whole thing, do you think? No, completely. And that just for John, it was actually all three of them went into Rand. It was all three um, of them. Yeah, yeah I just caught one of them. Yeah, I caught... They, they made it obvious on the, the, the third girl, but it was... Uh, or the third lady, I should say. Um, but the other two were did go in, which makes me think potentially that it could be being baked down in the Rand chemicals in the basement. Maybe. In the research lab or something like that. Um, on Ward, this descent into... So we, we, we question, oh, what's those little pills he was taking? Um, this shows that, okay, he is a full-on, potentially an addict of some kind. Yeah. He is potentially just prescription addict um, yeah. to this point. And that constant look at the heroin that Danny had gave him shows that, okay, well, look, he, he, he was questioning once or twice, and then he did it. And then what I found most interesting was, Joy says, what did you take now? Or what? what is it? I need to know. So it looks potentially like he has had some variation of overdose or he's been caught in this compromising position before Maybe. that Joy has, has to ask, what have you taken? Mm. Like like finding him in this state. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I like to see that this is the, the fall of Ward Meacham. This is... The fall before an even greater fall, perhaps, because yeah. I think you're right. He, that that comment you said about get yeah, the the where they said to him that or Joy says that his all his decisions have been great. We must trust in him, mm-hmm. and this is the first decision he is taking by himself. Yeah, and it's this, against Joy. It's against what she recommended as well, but she still stands by him. Yeah, yeah. So it's showing that potentially, okay, he is not the charismatic smart business mind he thinks he is mm-hmm. and luckily i think it was a double-edged sword of what joy said because you could see his face where they all voted for him but she said because of all his previous decisions exactly. which we know and he knows was all because of harold mm-hmm. so this is great to see that potentially this man is starting to come undone undone on episode five yeah yeah, that's the bit I'm like, okay, what if you know, we? I know episode four was our theory episode. Mm-hmm. Okay, what if actually Ward goes to the hand? What if he becomes one of the big bads because he becomes so twisted? He then he, he rats out his father with that about Danny. He then becomes madam get one of madam Gao's new lieutenants Interesting. and becomes her direct because I, i'm trying to this is the one this explained this answer this didn't answer any real questions really it just gave us a lot more yeah which is fine we're it's only episode side of the five yeah. And no, yeah exactly but i'm thinking i'm wondering is are they trying to set ward up as this they're giving him the fall now so he may rise against danny later maybe yeah maybe you agree yeah um but I like the fact that they're playing him as a, this stressed out addict CEO. Yeah, um, I, yeah, absolutely. I had this great image in my head of what would happen to Harold Meacham if some if something really bad did happen to Ward, if he had an overdose, for example, and just had was taken off to hospital or died. Um, what happens then to Harold? Does he pick up the phone and call his daughter and go, "Yeah, I know everybody thinks I'm dead, 
but I need your help here to control the company because I have nobody else to do it. Like what what Danny. happens then? He now yeah. has Danny, but Danny wouldn't yeah. listen to him. I don't think Danny would go along with the type of actions he makes Ward do, which is the interesting part. No, so. and I mean, like he's under huge pressure because as you say, on the one hand, you know, his decisions aren't his decisions they're they're his father's Mm -hmm. and at the same time he's keeping that secret or both these secrets that and the fact that his father is still alive from his sister um and like again it's what is joy gonna do because she ultimately is going to find out that her father is still alive you know um, and she's going to know that her brother knew and she's going to know that Danny knew mm-hmm. um, and that they have kept this secret from her. So that pressure on Ward, it's not just the CEO, it's all that personal stuff. And then you get Danny Rand coming at mm-hmm. this moment. And we still have this expansion in China that they're, they're going through as well. So all of Danny's actions so far on the pharmaceuticals, now on this lawsuit, mm-hmm. it, it is undermining uh, that work. However... It, it seems like uh, Ward maybe just doesn't care anymore. Like, I do like the fact that as that story comes on the news and begins to spiral out of their control, he goes, suck on that, Dad, you know, as, <laughs> as he as he looks at the at the drugs. And uh-huh. I, I actually really liked um, the, the slip that he... He almost does as he's absolutely whacked out on on the on the heroin, yeah. where he, it's like you know he makes it slip about being watched, and you can see the 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 confusion on Joy's face. You know what does he mean? But then ultimately goes he's just taken heroin. Yeah. Um. But I also like that kind of brother sisterly thing, um, where she kind of just you know takes him in a, in her arms and kind of I think just holds his hand and so on. I think that's really uh, it's just a great little um, connection between the two of them. Yes, mm-hmm. she knows her brother's not perfect. She knows that he can be um, a, a bit abrupt and, and a bit of a dick, but at the same time she's always there and I think, you know, this is just going to get more awkward uh, yeah, for d- him uh, and, and for that whole thing. I think after Ward confiding in her that he doesn't like this role anymore and that he does want to get out get out of the role, I think she's kind of realising that he is on the edge of something here um, and then to find him in the office here uh whacked out in heroin it's pretty bad um you know i think it's i think there is there's definitely more ramifications to this there's definitely more going to be coming out of this um but joy seems like she's probably going to have to step up a bit more than she has in the past uh, as the ceo rather than just the backer of her brother's decisions so uh, that'll be interesting to see completely so think we move on to our next point i think so yeah okay i've been dying to do this danny and colleen sitting in a tree <laughs> eating takeout yes <laughs> with a guest. So close. So close. <laughs> we are potentially seeing a off-script, off-comic book romance mm. building. I know. I know. We... It was really heavy in this episode that yeah. almost every single time Danny looked at Colleen, she had a little flutter and then Danny reciprocated later with a little flutter of, of, of the eyes when the two of them, yeah. the two of them meet. It was a lot, wasn't I it? I absolutely... Yeah. I thought the the tension the between the two of them with regards to their emotions and that, I thought it was excellent. Mm-hmm. And I, I even liked it when they infiltrated into the, the pier where um, they're, they're kind of between two containers and, it, and it's kind of like, like we can't be doing this now. But it, it, it's that awkwardness um, of, of trying to express their emotions, I thought was really good. I really liked how Claire Temple really kind of 
notices this. And I just think the way that Colleen Wing, the way it's played, how she's kind of all quite, like, she just wants to burst out into smile. It, it, it really kind of goes against her character of yeah. being disciplined, um, a, a dojo master, uh, a teacher, uh, 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 and all of this, keeping strict discipline. And it's like that whole presence of Danny just softens that, and it, it softens her face. And it, it comes across really well and is played really well by Jessica Henwick. Here. I think it's a nice touch, um, really subtle. And as I say, in particular, when they're infiltrating the pier, I, I kind of like that this conversation is still going on whilst yeah. they're jumping across containers and all that. There's a great you know? line that she that she kind of drops where where she's kind of saying to Danny that she's been she's making this a bit awkward for him um, from the moment she realised that this that the dinner he was bringing over could potentially be a date. And it goes all the way through and they have that conversation all the way through the evening and and into this infiltration at the pier. And then she kind of says to him, I'm not very good at this. And he goes, at what? And she goes, at talking. So it's kind of, I'm not very good at any of this at all. So if you're getting mixed signals from me, it's because I'm not good at this. You know, I thought that was quite interesting yeah. because it's also playing on the fact that Danny does mention he had he had a vow of chastity when he was in when he was in um, yeah, in Kunlun, yeah, yeah. so which gets the greatest smile off Claire Temple Absolutely. Uh, that I've seen. Love that little moment, but it kind of comes off the back of that, which where you presume that because Danny has no practice at this at all, he's going to be very awkward around around Colleen, and he may be misreading or maybe sending out the wrong signals to her as well. So um, I do like this that kind of dynamic between the two of them. Well, that's it. It's kind of I, I love their conversation um, at the docks where he's like, "It's nice to have someone you can rely on," you know. And he looks at him and says, "Do you have that?" And it is the fact that actually they've both been loners, mm-hmm. um, and all of a sudden they've they're both each other's crutch to an extent. Yeah. Even though she does question him about, um, you know, you've got the Meachams, but like he doesn't really, and I think he 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 knows that. I think one of the other great lines there was that she goes, um, "Those guards have got machine guns." To which uh, Danny replies, "Yes, because they don't know how to fight. We do." Mm-hmm. Um, and I think even just before mm-hmm. that, the whole um, the the whole uh, face off between the two of them with the katana, um, and it, you know he's saying to her, "Look, you are really good." I thought that was excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I do like that. Um, so let's hope it develops, eh? Yeah, it's interesting. I wasn't expecting to hope for Danny and Colleen to get together because I don't think they're the couple that I would have wanted to see together. I think we talked about it in our 101 that there is a, um, there's definitely a connection in the comic books between Misty Knight and Danny Rand, and that's kind of that's the big expected relationship to happen. Slightly different dynamic between the two of them on TV than there would be in the comic books. They're of similar age in the comic books, I think, and similar kind of experience. In in the show, obviously, Colleen was destined to have this role. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 intrigued. I'm liking how I'm liking how it played out in this episode. But I certainly wasn't hoping for it before the show started. Actually, I think is, is kind of my point. Yeah, and I, I'm in agreement with you. I I I was set in that. Okay, we'll probably he'll be flirtatious with everyone, not knowing. So I like this flip in that, actually, no, he's still this chastity-welding 10-year-old <laughs> to a degree. He doesn't know how to flirt. He grew up in uh, with wire monk men mm-hmm. that we know of. Like, he has, he's still a, potentially a virgin. Like, so this awkward kind of discussions and flirtatiousness, I'm liking. I'm liking that. Yeah. Colleen's bit is, I'm not good at 
talking. That mm. for me was I, I love that line and delivery. Um <laughs> I like that Claire was there and that Colleen was and the two of them kind of played off each other when it's like, oh no, I'll just sit down and have dinner too. Yeah, or oh, can I take by the way, talk Claire about awkward. four. Yeah, she took four of the takeaway things, Tubbs. I was yeah. like, <laughs> Really? Never, okay, never turned down a free meal, Chris. Never turned down okay, a free meal. Yeah, I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I remember that. This is probably um, the best restaurant in New York that's just done takeout or delivery or deliveroo to uh, to the dojo. You know, um, what I, I know, I shouldn't, I should let the show away with it, obviously. But the moment when Claire says, "I'll sit down with you." is when I realize that there's one of the staff is coming in with chairs and a table and a setting for the table. Where do they get the other chair and the forks and the plates to allow yep. Claire to join them? It's yep. kind of, yep. oh, we brought an extra set along just in case there happened to be a third person in the dojo. No, you didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I would have preferred um, if it had just been like regular takeout of some description mm. rather than, yeah, like, uh, you know, five star restaurant deliveroo type thing. Um, because yeah, I mean, where did where did the extra seat come from? Like, I know, I, I know. Obviously, the explanation is because it's just popped into my head. Colleen lives there, so I'm sure she has a chair. And, and yeah, that, 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 that's I'm true. Sure she, as it's well. just popped yeah. into my head, but it was just the moment because they were putting out extra chairs. Did they bring a third one in case of the situation? I think the thing is, it, it was really good that Danny showed up. Uh, when he did and that Claire Temple was there being trained by Colleen Wing because of what you know the little stub she she ripped off of one of Colleen's adverts in Luke Cage Mm -hmm. that was really good but then the whole takeout thing just made it slightly kind of shoehorned in then because it was like okay Claire was acting like the wingman to Colleen because you know it was um the question is, is this a date? No, unless you want it to be. Um, you know, and he says, I need your help. And she's like, and that requires candlelight, you know, as there's candles being brought in. <laughs> yeah. And I, I kind of thought, well, if it had just been takeout and even just that Claire would, okay, she knows it's Danny Rand, majority sh- uh, shareholder in Rand Enterprises, but it is kind of, uh, excuse me, I, I've just paid for a lesson here. I mean, I know she 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 does the one-off joke about my mum is always saying I keep falling into situations with these, you know, these powered individuals uh-huh. and all that. But I think from taking something that works really well from Luke Cage, it I don't know, it, it just seemed to be a bit shoehorned then and a bit convenient after that and i i, I thought it, it okay. but then it it brought about the whole romance thing between colleen and, and and i'm fist and that awkwardness which was good i just didn't quite know how i felt about it really and and certainly when he also said oh i've bought your um i've building. bought your building like again it's kind of like is he a billionaire where that stuff matters does he not listen to what she's saying or is he a warrior monk who m- money isn't the important thing? Yeah. And, yeah. and it was the same with that takeout where, okay. um, you know, it was a five-star restaurant on the move. That's what it was, not a takeout. Yeah. So I think, is he, a, is he a, you know, a Stark-like figure or a Strange-like figure or is he Danny Rand? And I think he is different. He He wants to be street he wants that yeah. he doesn't want the trappings of of his 
of his parents' success and all that. As he says himself, I'm not a good businessman. I I don't know the commercial world. But what I do know is how to get the hand. This is Mm -hmm. what I've been brought up for and trained for. Uh, So I just want them to be a little careful there. But that maybe I'm... Reading way too much into it. Just it was just dinner, one of those John. things. It's just a dinner. <laughs> no, he does explain that that the dinner is because that's the only place he knows. He was ten when he left. He doesn't know many places in New York. It's the only place he knows because it was his father's favorite. So he does kind of explain it. But yeah, I would have expected that he'd turn up a pizza. You know, I'm sure Colleen would have been just as appreciative yeah. of that. But he's definitely taking. Uh, he's not taking no for an answer with Colleen. She said to him three times now, "I don't want your money." And now he's just bought her building and and is going to waive her rent for her. You know, it's like as if he just feels I've got all this money and I don't know anybody and I don't have any reason or anything to spend it on. Unlike Stark, who is going out and buying gadgets and buying stuff for himself all the time because he's quite a selfish character. This guy is willing to give it to his friends and he only really has one, which is Colleen. You know, yeah. Um, so I think he's kind of. It's not overly lavish to buy a building and make the person pay rent to you. <laughs> um, that's not overly lavish, you know. Uh, he's not bought the building and put it in her name, for example. Um, you know, yet, yeah, yet, yeah. yeah. So basically, I can see him going, "I'll give you the deeds if you do this mission with me." Right. That's where I see this kind of the escalation until she goes, "No, I'll do it just because it's for you," and they'll kiss and scene like I. <laughs> I hope not, do, Chris. <laughs> I hope so much they don't do that. I I, th- I think the good thing is I, I love when they were sat around the the table there. You know, there's there some really nice little bits of information and and some you know some yeah. really good stuff coming from this. Um, even though maybe it was slightly contrived at, at some point at <laughs> some level, but um, you know, I love the fact that you know uh, Claire is asking, saying, "Oh, so was it all vegetarian food at uh, at Kun Lun and in the monastery?" And he's like, "Yeah, although uh, I used to sneak out with my uh, friend Davos to get donkey meat and to eat donkeys." Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really good. We got we got Davos mentioned here as a friend of Danny Rand, uh, exactly. As well, I and we have, but we have here that he identifies the steel serpent symbol as um, the, the the symbol that represents Shaolau, the Undying. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it. I mean, like, Davos is uh, in Conlon. He is from Conlon. So they, they, that um, thing that we did talk about, that they would know one another, ha- has been confirmed yeah. here, which it, it is, I think, it is really good. Um, and I do like the fact that all of this does lead Colleen Wing to eventually be uh, the wing woman uh, and the wingman of, of Danny. She's like, she's bought into it. She's yeah. like, I'm in. Yeah. Um, I, I like the idea that, you know, he does say to her, it's because you like to fight. So, that, like, the cage fights were as much about fighting as they were about the money. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I like that that's kind of been highlighted. She likes the thrill and the excitement. Yeah, you've got your, your theories correct. I know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, and that was great. That was one of the bits I was happy about. They actually explained it. Mm-hmm. They acknowledged that this was something that you were probably going, huh? So they explained it and they showed her growth and understanding as that, which I didn't actually perceive as being a part in that we we kind of gave out going why did she do this there was no exposition like they didn't explain it there was no narrative and actually what we ended up getting was 
that she didn't know why she was doing it. At first, she wanted just the money. The second mm-hmm. time was it. And then they showed her growth by going, actually, okay, I enjoy this. I yeah. like testing myself, Yeah, uh, which was great. John, I need to pick your brain now. No, don't do that. Well, yeah, I, I'm going to bad up you. Give me a second. So the Davos bit, I'm now questioning, because they've name-checked him already, mm-hmm. and he was his friend, and mm-hmm. he was in Kong, and the Steel Serpent logo that we would always call the Steel... We have been calling the Steel Serpent logo is actually the symbol for Shaolau the Undying. The, wh- where are we guys in percentages that Davos is going to turn up in this series? 100%. Now, I'm like, yeah, 100%. I'm at 100%. Either yeah. either the monks of Kunlun have sent Davos to retrieve Danny because still not sure about that thing of getting out of Kunlun after 15 years and coming back to New York, whether that's allowed by the monks or not because he is supposed to be their protector in case the hand attack um, so that's a possibility that Davos gets sent to retrieve Danny, or da- Davos is already out and working with the hand potentially and that's why Danny escaped from Kunlun or left Kunlun to go after Davos but I'm 100% that Davos is going to be in the series yeah, no, I, I would be the same. As I said previously, Davos is kind of a Mordo type uh, character mm. in, in that he, he's not necessarily a bad guy, but he does seek the power of the the molten heart of Shaolau, mm-hmm. um, and, and of course he loses that to to Danny, and and there is an element of that kind of jealousy. Now he he does as well in himself tap into that power and. He's known as the Steel Serpent, and he mm. has that symbol on. So that's why we call it the Steel Serpent symbol. Uh, but also, ultimately, it can also represent Shaolau the Undying. In the same way that the Iron Fist symbol is also, um, you know, a representative of having fought and beaten mm-hmm. uh, Shaolau the Undying. Yeah. He's not yeah. very good at staying alive, really, is it, as, <laughs> as, as a dragon? Um, was, he, was he christened the Undying? Or something. <laughs> well, it's it's more that the, the the dragon resurrects. So even though he is dead and beaten, it's more that he's beaten. But mm-hmm. he it comes, you know, it it's the power is eternal and, and and so on. Interesting. So. Yeah. What do you think, Chris? Are we are we convinced you? No, I'm I'm fifty fifty now. Okay. It was an obvious name drop. Yeah. For for comic book fans. I think they may help hold off on him till Defenders now. Really? Okay. Yeah. Because you know we are getting Kunlun flashback at some point. And if Davos yes. isn't in the so, Kunlun flashback No, 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 no. So I think <laughs> he'll be in the flashback. Okay. I don't think he'll be in present day. Okay, interesting. Okay. I think they'll introduce him. They'll introduce uh, the Mordo-like back and forth part where mm-hmm. they're good best friends and then the rift happens at the end of the flashback or happens in additional flashback and then later on they'll we'll get more hints to davos and davos's return but i think that's it i think they're holding him for defenders because we have electra against daredevil we'll have potentially davos against iron fist mm-hmm. we'll potentially have uh, diamondback again back for luke cage with a new parrot suit, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> then we'll have, and I think we'll have Kilgrave back for Jessica Jones. Because I think they'll, they'll potentially resurrect. They'll bring back four bad, big bads uh-huh. together to be fought in a one-on-one. Maybe Kilgrave not, because he's 
to what we've seen completely dead. He is dead. <laughs> He's yeah. dead as dead. But yeah. we've seen Electra being, we've seen spoilers, we've seen Electra being put in the resurrection uh-huh. jar at the end of, at the end of Daredevil season two. Mm-hmm. We see uh, Diamondback getting his new suit potentially. Yeah. And then what we've getting now is they're name checking a, character as you say a mortal like character from Doctor Strange yeah. or in Iron Fist to set him up before to be the big bad then I, yeah I think that points to the fact that we will actually see him Chris because <laughs> we've seen all of those characters that you're mentioning <laughs> and they've all battled with the with their counterparts uh, yeah. in those shows so, so just so that we've got the theory clear Chris they're going to hold off on Davis until the defenders but he might show up in the flashback in okay. Iron Fist yes that's my the, okay. that's my theory Interesting. Interesting. Right. So, yeah. There's, like there's going to be one wrong theory this this season. Ooh, <laughs> Ooh gauntlet right. drops. Right, gauntlet slapped across the face. <laughs> Let's move on to the next just, point. Just one thing before we move on from the uh, the conversation around the dinner table. Uh, I did like because Claire's always our viewpoint as an audience. I did like her description of Danny Rand as being it's a true riches to rags to riches story. <laughs> just that was a great, uh, great boiling down of everything we've seen over the over the last Absolutely. few episodes. And that's Claire's job. Like she she is that character that's supposed to give insight to an audience in who is seeing superheroes for the first time she's supposed to be our viewpoint as an audience if we were in this situation yeah um so i do like that but unfortunately sometimes she also turns into the exposition character yeah basil exposition yeah some, sometimes because she is the viewpoint of the audience it's kind of like and look over here this is the stuff that you may have forgotten um, before exactly and i think that's the point i want to go to let's talk about claire mm-hmm. yeah. let's talk about her in the scene in this episode yeah and Jumping on where you're talking about there, yes, she's starting to feel a bit like the Stanley of the Netflix. She's just, oh, here's Claire, there she is, yay, yep. great. And then she's exposition in terms of, oh, why am I always? My mother did say, I'm. It's my destiny to meet you guys and constantly help you out. Mm-hmm. And then later on, she's the MacGyver of helping them out. I'm like, really? At what point is she going to go? Just also, by the way, she calls Danny a powered person, but he hasn't showed her any powers. He hasn't talked about any powers. He just said, I, it's my job to fight the hand. Yeah. Mm. I was like, she's jumping to conclusions. I could go down and tell her, I don't like the hand. And she goes, oh, you're super powered. I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. Yeah, I, I'm super powered. That's fine. <laughs> Anything anyway. to get Claire's number, Chris. Anything yes, to get exactly. Claire's number. I love it. Um, no, I, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, there is, there is, um, there is definitely that moment with Claire in this episode where she's, she does feel like she's, um, she's just talking through some, uh, some previous points that we may have missed in, uh, in Daredevil season two. I do like the tie-in. I do like the fact that the minute she hears the hand, she jumps back as yeah, you would. Yeah, that was going, great. Hang on a second. This isn't to do with the hand. I thought you were just helping a mate of yours that got stabbed oh don't tell me i've just got myself involved in another of these situations so i kind of like that reaction from from claire and rosario dawson as always delivers the role really well um but i think she's saddled with that moment of okay what if people haven't seen daredevil season two because this will be really important to them to know that they've been working in the city okay give those lines to claire (laughs) wait i just have this vision of her going 
Previously in Daredevil. <laughs> and this is Rosario Dawson with a really deep voice. Uh-huh. Previously in the last episode. I like it. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, like, I really like to credit card surgery, a MacGyver-esque patch-up of, of the chemist. Mm-hmm. I think this is actually truly where she is now becoming the night nurse, because she's not attached to the hospital. It's all in her spare time. It's kind of, it's one of the kind of group, or even though the group hasn't yet established. Yeah. But, you know, she she's working off her own back here now, uh, outside of the, the the hospital setting that we've seen her in. Up till now, obviously, she got fired. I think it was in Daredevil season two. And she, you know, in Luke Cage, then she she's kind of taking that break in a sense. And here we have her now patching up this guy. I, I like that kind of idea. Mm. She did officially make the decision during Luke Cage that she would take the opportunity to help out people who are trying, powered people who are trying to help the city. Exactly. She would be there to help them. Wasn't that the decision yeah. that she made when she was talking to her mother? Yeah. I think her her reaction, as you say, uh, on hearing about the hand, I even just like with the chemist saying how they've got his daughter, uh, just how the hand operate, and, mm-hmm. and, and that reflecting on how Claire uh, responds to it all. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, and that tie-in with then with, with Daredevil. Although I was surprised she didn't name him, really, uh, at that yeah. moment. I know maybe it's too soon for Iron Fist, but the idea that... She knows that Daredevil is is already battling the hand. Yeah. Here's this guy now that is saying, I was trained to battle the hand. Okay, come on, Claire. Introduce them. Uh, (laughs) Especially because she calls out... Well, you can't do this alone. Exactly. And he goes, I'm not alone. And she kind of, she's kind of going, you could be even less alone. I have a phone number of a guy, right? He's been battling these guys for a bit two years. He can help you out, you know? Yeah, so it'll be, I, th- I think it'll be interesting to see if that happens mm. in the next couple of episodes. Again, whether that's too soon because of Defenders, uh, I, I don't know. But, I mean, I, I thought this was a good introduction for Claire. But, yeah, I think sometimes it, it's that she just gets saddled with the exposition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes she does that fine, absolutely. But sometimes it's kind of, as I say, I think just the, the shoehorn of the takeout scene, what, you know, again... It, it, it's just one of those things where less is more, maybe, I think, with with Claire Temple in some cases, you know? I'm looking forward to seeing her back next episode. Oh, I, absolutely. Definitely. I'm yeah. really looking forward to seeing her back. I think it's how you use her. Mm-hmm. Uh, because she's doing the exposition a lot of the time, I think it's it, yeah, just so going to be careful. Th- hopefully it's been done in this episode and yeah. they don't have to do it in another episode next time. Yeah, I think that's why I, I, I get the feeling that this was probably the the previously on Daredevil season two, yeah, like line, and yeah. hopefully we'll see the Rosario Dawson Claire Temple that we saw in Luke Cage, mm-hmm. which is they gave her, they waited for a while, they introduced her with her mom, they then she became an integral part of the the series, yeah, yeah, and I'm thinking that's what will happen again. Hope I so. think they have noticed over time that we've latched on to something good here. Mm-hmm. We found a good reason to consistently have the night nurse or Claire Temple in again, we keep calling her night nurse. It hasn't been confirmed, which is assuming. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, but she is the Nick Fury th- of the TV shows. I love that. She's being used. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what the, they're going to be able to do in a good way. I think that I'm not aware of any daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones crossover in this series. Mm. 
in terms of cameos. I really don't and, want to know either. I hope I hope we get to the episode where it's a big surprise before anybody spoils it. Yeah, like Wilson yeah. Fisk in season two of Daredevil. Yeah, yeah, that's why I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of hoping we can get there at the pace we podcast and the, the style of we we podcast as listeners. We watch and then record, then watch and then record. I'm afraid we may get uh-huh. spoiled. We're twenty foot where we're we're over twenty four hours um it out in the world. Yeah. And I've yet to see many spoilers. Yes. Agreed. Um I especially not in our community. Yeah. But there's nothing to say come Monday when all the uh IGN and comic book movie spoiler titled articles start yes. appearing in my feed. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. exactly. And I'd be like, uh, <laughs> I need to build an app just for defenders uh-huh. that goes on my Chrome and just literally blots out spoilers yes. for defenders. That would be awesome. replaces defenders or kittens. I don't know why kittens, but I thought it'd be funny. <laughs> Maybe monkeys, if that's your preference, I'll give you a choice. I'll see what I can do. Or puppies, of course. Puppies, puppies, monkeys, kittens. We could just have lots of Shaolau the Undying. Just lots of pictures of Shaolau the Undying. That would also be pretty cool. (laughs) I think that's enough about Claire and puppies and and kittens. (laughs) And dragons. And and dragons, dragons. of course. Of course. Uh, On to our final point. Last point really is just... Is Danny a bit of a, th- a threat to Rand Industries himself? We talked about it a little bit with, with Ward as an addict earlier on, but is Danny actually, even by mistake, becoming a bit of a threat? You know, Absolutely. Um, getting but, caught apologising almost for something he isn't aware of, has had no dealings with when a woman walks up to him in the street and says, um, 15 people dying of cancer, including my son, um, because of Rand Industries. And he goes, oh, that's terrible. I'll make it right. It's a pretty bad moment for Danny. He kind of puts his foot in it, really. Yeah. Um, with with this with this woman and getting caught on camera, and he doesn't know anything about it either. So, yeah, he's really put Randy Enterprises in, in the mud here, like in a difficult position because obviously we see earlier um, Joy being fairly business ruthless about um, mm. you know, well, we're up to. Um, the regulatory code type of thing uh, and yeah. so on uh, and they're kind of they're, they're pretty confident that the the plaintiffs don't really have a case so um that you know that they can kind of move forward but obviously danny's compassion is ultimately at odds with the cutthroat corporate world mm. i suppose and, and the 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 self protection of the corporate entity so it's really interesting i mean i wonder if that is why harold meacham wanted him to be back at rand enterprises is there some kind of overarching thing and strategy here of the hand that yes it's about building rand enterprises up but actually the the best way to destroy danny is through all this sort of naivety in dealing with a business and yeah. a massive multinational, which I think is interesting. I suppose for me, the only thing is, is I'm wondering, you know, how is this going to play out with this case? Um, like we've already had the pharmaceutical vaccination mm-hmm. where he, he put his kind of stamp on. We have that here now. I mean, are we going to see another one or is this going to get followed through? I mean, I, 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 I think like the point is made now that he doesn't really know, um, business 
particularly well and he will always be led by um his compassionate side mm. rather than his his corporate or his commercial business mm. side uh, and in fact he says that here um so I, i'm just wondering um you know how will this play out i mean if it develops then then fine but there was part of me that kind of felt did we really need to see him messing up again in, in the world of business and, and that they could have just developed the the vaccine that he was going to sell at cost where he put the stamp was again that's now fallen by the wayside so there is a bit of me that thinks maybe we just didn't need to see this actually yeah so for me i i actually i think i know where this is going um so we talked about jerry jerry hasn't been seen this episode Mm. um and i think this is where her character will more shine and come to light in the mentor-like element, because I think what they'll do with Danny in the comments is a suave businessman. He mm-hmm. is the actual CEO of Rand Enterprises. He does the very much Bruce Wayne Batman type thing, um, where they both kind of they're both good at what they do in terms of that. Mm-hmm. I think Danny will be hung to dry to. He'll be put on the rafters, hung from the rafters. Excuse me, uh, for this. And I think he'll turn to Jerry and have to go, teach me. That's really interesting. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of doing it. Certainly, like, I like Jerry's counsel to Danny that she did in episode three and so on. Right. I think that's really good. So, yeah, maybe it's it's going down that route. If if so, it probably get, you know, rescue it from the molten fire of uh, Shaolau the Undying. <laughs> That's really interesting. That's I'm obviously the more hippie of the of the three of our podcast hosts here, because I'm going. I think Danny is doing the right business decisions for the type of business that he would run, and if he gets guidance from somebody else like Jerry or Joy to do run business the way that they were running it in the past, and Rand Rand becomes an evil empire becomes. The, the evil corporation that it effectively is, charging $50 for a pill that costs $5 to make, that's evil corporation stuff. Danny was right to, to, to say, do it at a lower rate. Again, to Chris's point before, he could have made some profit out of it, yeah. Um, but this other decision here to say he will investigate what's going on and maybe change the practice of the company so they don't cause people to get cancer around their around their buildings. Those are all good decisions to make. I'm not saying it's not a good decision. I'm just I'm questioning whether we've already seen him put a stamp on it. I'm not about saying whether it's a good or bad decision. I'm not trying to say the morals or the ethics of it. I'm just saying that the same it's a different twist on the same situation with the pharmaceutical Mm. about how uh, you approach it but i think it would be good having the jerry angle into that because in the comics it is that jerry ultimately runs the company uh, but she is more in tune with what danny uh, is about Um, whereas the meachams they're still just running the company as far as they're concerned he's going to sit in his corner office and, and take the paycheck and that's the reason why you needed this in this episode because by making that change in the last episode to the pricing in the pharmaceuticals it had no lasting impact on the on how the business make their decisions they still went ahead with the same meeting that they would have had with these victims and their lawyer they went ahead with the same meeting after that decision was made that they would have had a week ago before danny even arrived um so you need to have a second time where danny does make the stamp and it's is effectively kind of going, this is how I would run our company. Now, it's not as clear here because he kind of falls into it, obviously, outside. But I think what we'll see 
in future is another couple of storylines like this because Danny will be trying to turn his uh, turn the business into, to use your example, Chris, into a Wayne Enterprises philanthropic and at its core, quite a moral business that is making the right decisions rather than a business that just driven by money because that's not what interests Danny. So he needs to try and put his stamp on it like that. I think that's the storyline they're going to go with with Danny. And while he will need Jerry's help and she is now going to be involved in the business, I don't think it'll be to train him to do the business the way it's currently being run. If that came across like that, I think, yes, you're right. I think what will end up, it will be Jerry teaching him, don't say oh, I'm very sorry, and I'll look into it straight away when, when a stranger comes up to you and blames your company uh-huh. for causing cancer. Like, it's more the, you can run the business and we can be philanthropic and we can look after things and we can be good. So this is, I think, the disaster that will cause Danny yeah. to to grow. Mm-hmm. The, this is all about the growth of Danny, both as the Iron Fist and as as Daniel Rand leader of Rand Enterprises. Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing quickly is that on, on the pharmaceutical thing and the vaccine, like he says, there's other areas of the company that can make the money, i.e. the chemicals and the energy and the space sector. Well, all of those have potential impacts. But at the moment, in that moment, he is focused on the vaccine. And I think all I'm saying is develop that vaccine that, you know, another one comes on stream and they do the 50 quidder rather than the the cost pricing and, and he questions it and he, and he comes at it from this it's to let room for other storytelling ultimately on on the iron fist and and it keeps that thread whereas it's kind of just had to set up this chemical company and uh or this chemical plant and so on that's all i mean I, but i think in terms of how it will develop Danny. Absolutely, that that's great. I just didn't feel we needed a second example of that. Develop the first one. That he, you know, that that that's all. Mm-hmm. I suppose. Okay. So on that note, where, where will Danny go? But I think let's wrap up our points. I think that's all our points right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, for the just the only note that I kind of again, this is the one we're trying to look up for pretty much every one of the episodes. We are aware <laughs> that. Um, each episode is a Kung Fu move. The name of the episode, I should say, Underleaf Pluck Lotus. Again, Google search and Google images is not the help, most helpful with this. <laughs> what's, what's you saying, Chris? <laughs> I, I'm saying that uh, I we need a fan who potentially is or has been trained by Shaolin Kung Fu monks <laughs> to come and teach us and tell us, well, this move means this or this actually means this. Would be awesome. Uh, because we have no idea. So, guys, spread your wings. Go fly our little, <laughs> like, go fly and find us someone who can explain these to us. Because I actually really want to know. The closest I can come up with, actually, I should say that Derek came up with, um, is that he we see him create a flower with origami. Yeah. And that could be the lotus. Maybe we're, we're stretching here, people. We need help. Yeah, it's it not was. like Whiskey Watch. We're good at finding whiskey. We know our whiskeys, uh-huh. but not our Kung Fu moves and their names. We are not great. That was a very cute moment with Ward's personal assistant where he, where while he's talking to her and finding out about, about a bit more about the business, he just is moving his hands on a bit of paper and then leaves the origami flower on her yeah. desk. I just think that was quite a quite a, a very cool, very cool little little uh, thing to do and, and very cute with, uh, with Danny. And as if that's just what he does with his hands when they're not punching people in the face, you know? It's just keep <laughs> them moving, you know? Yeah, I mean, the other good thing as well uh, that he did with his hands uh, was that 
that punch out of the 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 back of the container and the fact that Colleen I love that it was from the viewpoint of the car that Colleen mm. was tailing the truck in uh, and you just saw his golden uh, iron fist uh, just slowly uh, receding, re- receding. Yeah. yeah really yeah. good I was oh, I didn't even notice that yeah no, that was that was pretty cool uh, so she may know he's pirate now I think she does yeah yeah that's probably why she's bought in she's like she's she wants to be part of the, the crew. Right. I was wondering, like, you know when you're in a car and you go over a bump and you notice it, would you think that the driver of the truck might have noticed his back door is blowing off and smacking off the sides of his truck? You'd think so. Maybe. Well, before he stopped, like. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Can we also, just as a note, there were two other trucks. Who were in the other two trucks? I know, I know. You see? Yeah, the accountant and the uh, the general secretary. Yeah, someone's going to make ah. the drugs, so maybe it's all the staff that yeah, make the drugs, yeah. maybe something like that. It was it was a really weird plan because we saw the drugs uh, at the beginning of the episode. They're very small. It's a little patch. I did think it was a weird plan to stand very far back from the trucks and see if you could make out what was inside them without yeah. any binoculars or anything or originally without even going into the trucks you know and when danny was standing behind the the cardboard boxes after the doors closed i it was like a pantomime i was shouting at the screen going look behind you danny there's huge curtains there there's something (laughs) behind them have a look danny (laughs) he's looking at the blank boxes like going ah poor danny you're (laughs) so pretty and so good at martial arts but not so smart (laughs) oh danny that's not fair (laughs) well hold on until he proves me otherwise and automatically goes and looks behind the big curtain let's let's i'm holding judgment (laughs) (laughs) and on that bombshell john do you defend this episode of iron fist i do defend this episode of iron fist Uh, i'm giving it 3.5 madame gal canes out of five i i did like this and i think primarily for madame gal i thought there was a little bit of a stall in this and for me that came from the this now chemical plant thing and Danny effectively messing up again in terms of from the company's perspective and how that will play out but I think if as we've discussed on this it plays out with Jerry getting more involved then actually okay fair enough that would probably change my 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 um my view on that definitely so I'm fingers crossed for that I did also like some of the fallout from it you know Ward's kind of you know this was probably the the thing that what took him over the edge and, and we see his addiction to to drugs here good to see claire temple back doing her macgyver stuff that was really good and just the chemist and the hand with madame gao uh, for me that was excellent and i'm really hoping we get almost a full-on episode with gao and we and we actually get some answers on on the hands real plan here uh, and maybe even the davos uh, you know uh it is introduced um more fully maybe he doesn't appear but maybe we we get some more information but it was good to get the name dropped there definitely so um i i think this is building still quite nicely um i i think it could have built a bit further um if if it just focused on this new drug being touted rather than having this side quest and thing going on with the the chemical plant but yeah 
I definitely defend this episode. Yeah. So, Chris, do you defend this episode of Iron Fist? I do. It was not my favorite. Potentially, it's one of the slowest ones. We got some action. I was a bit annoyed about, as I said, Danny getting his um, glowing fist, his non-glowing fist, I should say, handed to him nearly about three or four times. But the Madame Gao, the some of the exposition from Claire, that the, there was elements that made up for it. I it was a slower episode. Um, it it was an episode. I think is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It was neither the the amazing. Uh, triumphant return that we were hoping for nor was it the immortal dying breath of uh, of a series right it was just it was the unbeating heart of shao lao the undying <laughs> it was just somewhere in the middle it was it was just okay let's get us from point a to point b and mm-hmm. um, let's introduce claire there was some good elements to it, and I think I, I I'm, I'm I don't know I'm not I don't want the listeners to think I'm trying being too hard or too negative about this this series. Mm. Um, I'm enjoying it. It's just it has yet to fully sink in its talons into my brain, where I'm dying and cursing Derek's name that I can't watch and binge watch the next episode. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, at the point now, it's like I kind of want to see what happens next. But I can wait. I want a podcast first. Right now, until we get, say, the next big, this is the best thing ever about this, mm-hmm. I'm I'm, I'm still a bit lukewarm to this episode. So it is neither good nor it is bad. It is just, it just is. I think I'm trying to sound like um, Danny, you know, with his really weird quotes. It is not good. It is not bad. It just is. Very Yoda. <laughs> yeah, exactly. On that, Derek, do you defend this episode of Iron Fist? I do, yeah, and I, I definitely see the points of um, of both of you uh, on the episode. There's a couple of it's not it's not a hundred percent. This isn't a this isn't a a top level episode that you would flick back on at any time. But yeah, there's some great points in it. Definitely with Madame Gao. I love seeing Claire Temple back in the show, and especially this early because it means yeah. we're going to get more of her, which is which is always good. Uh, and there were some great moments there with Danny and uh, and Colleen. But I do Absolutely. I do see a lot of your points. It does it does kick off a lot more questions for the series. And in these kind of episodes, you get the questions, and then later on in the series, they get answered. That's kind of that's kind of the been the root of Netflix. They build you up for the first five or six episodes with here's all the questions you need answered, and then give you the answers over the course of the next six episodes. And then an episode wrap up. Um, that's kind of the way their systems work. So I'm hopeful that we'll get the, the questions answered. I don't need every episode to be the best episode ever made. Um, this was a slight step back from uh, from episode four, but still, it's a, a solid episode, definitely. So um, it makes me want to watch the next one. I'm certainly not giving up uh, after no. this one. This was a good well, absolutely one. not. No, yeah, no, good. I don't think any of us. I don't think any of us are giving up. It's still keeping pace i just want it to be soaring slightly a bit higher at the moment it's at like third story that the the eagle may fly into the window but if you can get a bit higher it may just go over the top of the building so we're just like soar eagle soar i think danny's having effect on your vocabulary chris now after watching five episodes i think he's uh, i think his his knowledge and his way of speaking has, has suddenly had an effect on how you're podcasting i like it I like absolutely it. or if you're coming from the hands perspective take the drugs eagle take the drugs then you'll get higher and higher <laughs> So, guys, so, okay, we finished and we've, we've had our defense. So, 
let's have a bit of feedback. So our first piece of feedback comes from our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Defenders TV podcast. And it's just a bit of general feedback about episode five from John Tara Higley, who says, I wasn't over overwhelmed with the first episode. Really couldn't stand pointless exposition hobo. Might actually be my favourite uh, naming of a character. <laughs> that is the best name <laughs> we, we may be stealing that. Going <laughs> yeah, that actually okay. trumps Basil Exposition from Austin Powers. I like it. Absolutely. I think, John, uh, John Tara... We have a new, we have a new phrase to use. I like it. I like it. Uh, John Tara goes on to say uh, the second episode is a bit frustrating. What better excuse for a Kunlun flashback than a mental institution? Missed opportunity. Bit of a boring episode. However, three and four is where it really started hitting its stride. I was questioning whether or not I really even liked the show, or whether it was just a big improvement over the first two episodes. Easy answer, especially after just finishing a couple more episodes. I'm in. It's super fun. For episode four, glad the whole we don't believe he's Danny Rand or do we thing is over. Colin Wing cage fighting is always awesome. Would love to see a Daughters of the Dragon show. Great scene between Danny, Daddy Meacham and Christian Bale, American Psycho Meacham in the not so sanctum sanctorum. I think uh, three and four were absolutely really, really good. Uh, to be honest, I, I really liked two as well. Mm-hmm. I, I think actually I completely see uh, your point about, you know, being in the psychiatric hospital, being able to sort of even just ramp up that idea of is he crazy, isn't he? Mm. Um, and, and have those bigger, more descriptive flashbacks to Kun Lun and, and really seeing something of this, this mystical city. Um, I, I think would have been, <laughs> um, definitely, uh, excellent. It really would have added to that. I mean, I, I think still it, it was a, it was a good episode bringing in that idea of him, whether he's mental, uh, or, or not. Um, mm-hmm. and certainly, yeah, three and four, really good. Um, I like the idea of the, the, you know, the not so sanctum Santorum. Uh-huh. Yeah. Where, uh, Harold Meacham is being a bit, a uh, bit crazy. Yeah. And of course we see him being like great crazy in, uh, episode four. Definitely. Thanks for the feedback, John really good yeah so i had never connected the american psycho with uh, ward and now <laughs> you've said it i'm like does he have business cards <laughs> oh my god i would I happily reckon... have a scene of just ward and danny comparing business cards that'd be amazing <laughs> have you got the eggshell <laughs> well, I've got I've got a more uh, it's more oak based white off white if you will and it's raised with the best times roman uh, very impressive Chris. very good yeah. <laughs> yeah all right chris is definitely an american psycho yep <laughs> keep the knives away from chris and the chainsaws for that matter michael booth says damn it why doesn't claire just say i know these other guys who can help with experience fighting the hand this is killing me david wang replies especially considering it's the hand I think we talked about this in the episode. Yeah, we're totally on your side here. Claire really needs to tell them that uh, that Daredevil's out there and that she knows other people that can help Danny with uh, with fighting against the hand. Yeah, no, I mean, Claire really does need to say that. I do think there's the constraints probably of the show. Mm. Um, and, and it's interesting. Uh, Rebecca, again, comes with uh, a really interesting sort of uh, comparison. It's the same in the films. Once the Avengers have met each other, you, you wonder why they don't call on each other to help. Uh, will possibly be the same in DCEU after Justice League, depending on what films come out. Only in some of them does it make sense to me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, absolutely. 
I mean, I, I think it was the idea that Thor didn't show up in Civil War, you know, is one of the classic sort of uh, omissions there. And I think moving forward in Marvel Netflix, you know, it'd be difficult to see these characters not interacting. And that's why I do hold out a bit of hope that, uh, you know, we may get a little Daredevil uh, cameo in in this series. Uh, you know, Luke Cage is banged up in prison, so... That will be a, a, a tall one to try and, and, and squeeze in. Um, but, you know, maybe, just maybe, we do get Daredevil in episode 10, 11, or 12, yeah, or, you know, one of those. Yeah. Um, because then that would just flow nicely into Defenders, where Doctor Strange makes an appearance. Yeah. It is a, it is one of those weird things about the TV shows and the movies that, you know, when I'm reading a comic book, I don't go on panel 7, oh, I wish this was... Daredevil walking into the panel here and telling him the, this vital piece of information. Um, there's a, a universe of you know three to five hundred characters in the Marvel universe. You know, can't have them all walking in and out of each other. But because they're the Netflix shows, you do expect to have a bit of crossover. They're in the same city. You know, New York is a big city, though. <laughs> yeah, but they have a subway system. Oh, but don't forget then Spidey swinging across their heads now. At this point, as well, no, he's in Brooklyn. Yeah, uh, see, him, him and Iron Fist are not going to get on, you know, rich kid, Boston or Brooklyn kid. So it's not going to work out. That's why this <laughs> people, I figured it out. <laughs> but Spider-Man's Achilles heel is insecticide. Yeah, that could have been used on The Bride of the Nine Spiders. <laughs> um, you know, a bit of uh, raid. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Thanks so much for that feedback on episode five. Yeah, and don't forget that we actually want to hear your voices too. So pop over to DefendersTVPodcast.com and uh, go through there. And we have a little bit where you can leave a voicemail for us for about 90 seconds of your thoughts on a particular episode. And we have a marvellous Marvel-themed prize at, at the end of the season where we'll be giving away one lucky winner a marvellous Marvel prize try saying that three times fast <laughs> um, so we're done guys we're done with episode 5 we'll be back for episode 6 and uh, Immortal emerges from Cave this uh, sounds on... really really exciting yes Just and I believe yeah. uh, Derek there's a special writer slash director for this episode there is a very special director from this episode the Rizza is coming to yeah. the Marvel Cinematic Universe um, coming to direct his first episode of Marvel TV that's pretty cool and Derek for our listeners who don't, don't know who Rizza is who is he Rizza is a member of the Wu-Tang Clan uh, another member after uh after we had Method Man showing up in Luke Cage, Riza has come behind the scenes of the Defenders TV shows and is coming to make his first episode of a Marvel Cinematic TV show. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, very good. And uh, I wonder what cave uh, the Immortal Iron Fist is going to emerge from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll be back on Friday the 31st of March with this review. Make sure you have subscribed to all of us on Defenders TV Podcast dot com forward slash itunes where you can rate us and review us and of course if you subscribe to us we'll automatically come into your uh, inbox that will be notified that we're there but if you're like me or other people uh this we're also on android where you can get us on any good or evil podcast catcher uh, such as podcast addict podcast stitcher etc um but don't forget to subscribe and also leave rating reviews there because by you rating us and you reviewing us it helps other people find us 
all in time for Summer of Spidey. Da, 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 da. <laughs> I should mean their uh, defenders, but hey, it's all good. And of course, if you want a, more discussions with us, we're over on facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Defenders TV podcast, where you can come in and have your thoughts Leave your thoughts and whims and your notions and your opinions and your good ideas and your bad ideas. And we will be back on Friday the 31st with Iron Fist Season 1, Episode 6, A Mortal Emerges from a Cave. Bye for now. Yep, thank you so much for listening. We will see you again next Friday. Yeah, thank you as always for all the feedback. It is really uh, appreciated. It's great to hear your thoughts. And again, thank you so much for listening. We will speak with you next time. See you soon. Bye. Thank you.